December sunlight, writes novelist and best-selling author Sue Monk Kidd, streamed through the window, creeping across the kitchen table where I huddled over my uh, to-do list. The list was long and it was ragged. The week before, writes Sue Monk Kidd, I had dived into Christmas and today I was decorating the house. I pushed the list aside. I I washed the breakfast dishes. I dragged the paint-splattered ladder up to the mantel where I would decorate. But as I started up that ladder, writes Sue Monkig, the the most astonishing thing happened. A sudden pain sliced through my chest, gripping and searing and, and frightening it vanished, writes Kid, and, and I took a deep breath, blinking at the room. Then without warning, it came again. My heart seemed to leap to my ears and, and beat against my eardrums. Instinctively, writes Sue Monk Kid, I, I reached for my pulse, as I had been taught to do in nurses' training, 160 beats per minute. That couldn't be right. It should be half that, and I, I slowed my breathing, and I counted again. 162. A thread of panic started to grip my body, and I walked to the phone and called the doctor. Come to the office immediately, they said. Last Sunday, we began the season of Advent, a word that means expectation, a word that means waiting, as one plans for and one embarks on, for example, and Adventure. And a part of this spiritual adventure, Advent is a season where we attend to, yes, our home and we decorate. But we also attend to our soul, which goes against the grain, if we think about it, in the busiest time of the year that that the church and the Bible and God invites us, each of us, to reflect on the state of our soul. Our Advent theme this year is the call of Christmas, and we are tending to our soul by listening to how particular people call to us from the pages of Scripture. We began last Sunday listening to the call of the prophet Isaiah as he declared that one day a a child will be born who will grow into a king, and, and on his shoulders will be this divine government. And we considered how we are all Citizens of of that holy reign called to serve this child and this king and to do good and to keep God's law in our hearts and to act with justice and mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Today we turn from the pages of the prophet to the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Now if I asked you who was the, the first main character mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, Who would you answer? It's actually Herod, king of Judea. Now Herod goes on to play the the role of a villain in the gospel. It's Herod who, for example, beheads John the Baptist. It's Herod who mocks Jesus before he is crucified. And Herod, I was reminded this week, was actually appointed to this position by Mark Antony, You remember him? He's the one who murdered Caesar and and aligned with Cleopatra. 
Last week, we heard how the prophet foresaw that this this child, this king, would arise out of time of, of turmoil and strife. As Isaiah referred to warrior boots and garments rolled in blood. And we know the Roman world into which Jesus was born was on edge politically and militarily and, and even spiritually. You remember Julius Caesar, who Antony killed, asked his subjects to call him the Son of God. And so by mentioning King Herod here, right at the beginning of the gospel, Luke frames what will unfold is a story of consequence, a story of villains and heroes, of the powerful and the powerless, and the surprising elements that occur when those two extremes meet. At the hospital, writes Sumon Kid, I watched the dips and waves on the monitor for two hours. Finally, a cardiologist came into the room. We've discovered nothing wrong with your heart, he said. Physically, things seem to be fine. When I returned home, writes kids, my husband was waiting. I poured out the improbable events of the morning, emphasizing that the tests were normal. But he saw the hint of fear in my eyes and stroked the back of my hair. But over the coming weeks, the episodes of pain appeared again, and King Kid returned to the hospital where the doctor asked, Sue, are you maybe under a lot of pressure? And for a moment, she shares the, the rush and the clatter of activities that filled my life, swirled through my head. I wanted to be a, a super mom and a super wife a successful career woman, a church pillar, a community helper, a fulfilled person all at once. If I'd been inclined, I, I could have seen that defining my life around these Herculean expectations might lead here. So what did Kid do next? What was her response to chest pains and, and stress and all that swung her life way off balance, she writes, I discovered a surprise. And it became the most impactful realization of my life and surely the most beautiful. Now, if Herod is the first main character mentioned in Luke's gospel, can you, can you guess the second? Well, Luke reads in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. Both were, were righteous in the sight of God. They were childless, and they were both very old. Zechariah is the second character we meet in Luke's gospel. A married but childless priest. That's the next character Luke introduces to us what's going on. Well, Luke goes on to describe how Zechariah is then chosen to, to enter into the temple and to burn incense, but an angel of the Lord appears, and when Zechariah saw him, he was gripped with fear. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You will call him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before 
he is born. He will go before the Lord with the spirit of Elijah to make ready a people for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. After weeks of these nagging chest pains, Kid shares how she suddenly felt as if something had stirred in the deep waters of my soul, and a voice was saying, You have come upon a time where you must discover and change. This is an opportunity to to reshape your life. It is the fullness of time. Just before Christmas Eve, writes Kid, as I drove along Main Street on on my way shopping, suddenly I started praying. There I was, an active Christian, a a woman with a husband, and two children, a career, an ordinary busy life, and stress seemed to crack open the whole thing. And I prayed. Anyone who spends time reading the Bible knows there are many names for God in the Jewish scriptures and the New Testament. One author explains how Elohim is the name by which God is introduced in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. When Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God, El Shaddai, and I will make my covenant with you. El Shaddai is the name God uses when God enters into covenant with us. Yahweh is the most commonly used name we find in Scripture. It's used about 6,000 times or so. And then Jesus, we know, calls God Abba, which means father or, or dad. That's the name Jesus uses when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, everything came to a crescendo on Christmas Day. Sure as kid. By 7.30, the room was a waiting pool of wrapping paper. I gazed around at all the toys, she writes, and suddenly I remembered what this day was all about. God was coming. And I wondered if now in this season of stress, God was coming into my life. Because for the longest time, I had lost touch with, with the very heart of Christmas, that Jesus came not just to show us what to do and and, and what to believe. He came as as a revelation of God's heart, God's love. He showed us how to love and to be loved. And then Kidd recalled how pastor and author John 
Claypool once remarked, how God's other name is always surprise. And what did Reverend Claypool mean by that? Yes, God's names are Elohim and El Shaddai and Yahweh and Abba. But the Bible also teaches that God's ways are not our ways. As God states in Isaiah, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Or as Proverbs puts it, many are the plans in the person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God, in other words, is a God of surprises. Do you think that's true? God ever surprised you? Last Sunday, after Lynn and I awoke and, and pulled up the blinds in our kitchen, our, our jaws dropped as we were suddenly living inside an East Grand Rapids snow globe. Was that your experience too? Glistening snow was draped on on every tree limb, on every tree, on every street, as if we had been teleported to Colorado. And it was a surprise, wasn't it? No weather report I saw predicted five inches of snow. It was such a surprise that when Lynn and I drove up the driveway to our portico, it hadn't even been plowed yet. Then after church, Lynn and I went on a long walk, and I took the photograph. You'll find on your bulletin cover. Last Sunday's surprise was beautiful, wasn't it? Now, surprises can be, of course, jarring. Surprises can be unsettling and they can even be tragic. We know that to be true. But they can also be divine, they can be beautiful. They can be expressions of God's love for each of us. And that was Sue Monk Kidd's experience on Christmas morning. Then she realized that God comes to us in Advent, miraculously and surprisingly, in the birth of this powerless child we call the Prince of Peace. And that recognition, she said, was a surprise. The most impactful revelation of my life. And it was beautiful. But it's easy to forget that spiritual truth, to close us, ourselves off, to the God of surprises. And perhaps that's why Luke's gospel offers Zechariah as the second character we meet foreshadowing in many ways all the surprises that are yet to come, that are yet to unfold. And that was the God that Zechariah experienced as the angel said, your wife will bear you a son. And Zechariah said, how can this be? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. So in many ways, Zechariah's story calls to us on the second Sunday of Advent inviting us to set aside our own trepidations and to resist doubting the God of surprises. 
and to live each day with this advent expectation for what kid calls God's joyful surprise. Because annoyed by Zechariah's lack of trust, the angel makes Zechariah mute for a while. But that child was born and named John. Today we call him John the Baptist. So come, let us continue on our way to Bethlehem. Recognizing, as one author put it, each day holds a surprise. But only if we expect it can we see, hear, and feel it. So let us not be afraid to receive each day's surprise because it will open a new place in our hearts. That was Zechariah's experience and it was Sue Monk Kidd's experience and may it, I pray, be ours as well. As this morning we hear a call of Christmas and the call of Zechariah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.